where vivid lakes are bordered by iconic mountain ranges, warm and welcoming towns, thunderous waterfalls, and unbelievable wildlife roam free. I'm Stephen Dehusky, a Canadian outdoor lifestyle and landscape photographer. Welcome to Canada. Explore the sounds of the Canadian Rockies in my exclusive guided walk and meditation through these alpine trails. Visit canada.wispotify.com to take a breath and discover everything this beautiful wilderness region of Canada has to offer.
A dozen or more patrons are seated at the bar of the beehive of a small Los Angeles cafe. The officer has already put away his instruments, preparatory to closing for the night. At the far end of the bar, Arnold Ross, a regular customer, is chatting with Dan Murphy, the bartender on duty. Well, it won't be long now, Dan. Only ten more minutes to closing time. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm really tired tonight. Oh. Yeah, I guess I'd be about ready to fold that this time myself if I had your job. Last call for drink, folks. <laughs> Thought I'd slip in behind the bar here and give you a hand with this last round, Dan. Okay, Mr. Ferris. <laughs> boy, Dan. Make the boss work for his teeth. Don't you worry, Mr. Ferris puts in his full share of hours around here. Oh, why not? It's his case, Mr. Well, give me another beer, Dan. Turn it right up. Say, our raven hasn't been in for a Saturday night quarter cigarettes yet, has he? Well, I ain't seen him. He doesn't hurry up, though. He has to get him somewhere else. Yeah. And here's the deal. Oh, I guess this is our company now. No, three guys I never saw before. Oh. Well, maybe I'll stop a deal for something that won't be here, no? Right, the one who just got down at the front of a bar, Dan. He's still got a sour puss on him, if I ever saw one. Yeah, looks as if he wanted to bite somebody. Well, don't lean over the bar. <laughs> well, the other two coming down here. I'll move over a seat so they can get a couple of stools together. Come on, Johnny. Here's a couple empty seats. Yeah. Get us two beers. Come on, right up. Hey, there's Johnny's still dead in it. Okay. I'd have a little music, don't you think? Yeah. Look, there's one of them nickel phonograph machines over there against the wall. That ought to do. Well, wait a minute while I see if I can't find something good on it. Sure. Maybe, maybe it'll give the place a little life, huh? Anything special you like? No, just use the most judgment. Oh, that's not a good. You notice the young fellow just put a nickel in the machine? Not so much, really. Why, though? He's wearing gloves. So it's a careful driven. George, you're right. If I were two young fellas, you wouldn't wear gloves on a warm night like this. I can think of one reason why you might. Yeah, for anything to do. Look here, man. If I decide to be so happy, I'm going to put your hands up. I'm here. Look, Mr. Burke. Look out, man. I take you to the guy in the front of the barn. What are you doing, Mr. Burke? This thing has just started with this 45. Get down and shoot him with the button. Look out for another guy behind the bar. He may be trying to help him. Ah, fuck him out between the eyes. Hurry it up. Okay, I got the door. Let's get out of here. Out the back door. It drives me out. Right near the door. Two minutes after the bandits make their getaway, Captain William J. Penfrey, chief of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Bureau of Investigation, arrives at the scene in company with Sergeant D.A. Morford and Deputy Larry Connor. Well, the bandits sure made a mess of this place, Captain Penfrey. Yeah, they generally do when something happens to start them off. What I'm thinking about are these three fellas they laid out, Thomas. And here comes the ambulance surgeon now. How's everything, Doc? Yeah. I'm afraid we got a wagon load for you this time. Pick up, eh? Well, it's coming. Look them over, Doc, and see if we have a homicide wrap along the rest. It's coming up front here. It's beginning to come through. Oh, all right. We'll be all right on the scaffold. One of them hold up fellows took him over the head with a peanut machine. Uh, you're a bartender there, aren't you? Yes, yes. My name's Dan Murphy. Uh, tell me exactly what happened here tonight. <laughs> okay, boys, take the staff out of the ambulance. Horrible staff wounds and a bullet in them. Do you know the name of the man they're taking out, Murphy? Oh, sure. He's a regular customer here. Named Don Ross. He, he started the fireworks, but it's not a question. Oh, how do you mean? Well, 
when one of those birds holds a stick up, a friend of his come in the front door. The guy with the stick of peanuts, you see. Uh-huh. The friend asked me to grab it, the guy sitting next to him. One of the three was stuck up. Yes, and then what? It was too close for the guy to shoot him, so he hit the house over the head with his gun. Uh-huh. Every time he hit him, the gun went off. That's what busted most of the glass. I see. Now, what about the third man? Oh, he's the bird that started the phonograph machine. Besides that, he's the bird that shot Mr. Pike, my dog. That's the self Jones, this night? Yeah. That self who's lying behind the bar? Yeah. There you go. That's the proprietor of this place. He's out there in the sector. Uh-huh. Think he'll pull through? He'll be doing well if he lives more than a couple of hours. A bullet in is just above one of his eyes. Mm. What about the other fellow who's shot? He has a fighting chance anyway. Got that front of you. He's Rayburn's all right. Fight scalp wounds. I see. All right. I'll check with you later about self shot. Okay, Captain Kentley. Now, uh, Murphy, I want you to tell me all you can about what these old men look like. Well, sir, the guy that started the rough stuff here at the bar when Ralph grabbed at him, he looks like a Mexican. Young or old? Oh, none of them was old. This bird looks about to be in his early 20s. Uh-huh. What about the man who shot Phelps? About the same age. Only he looks more like an Uh-huh. And the bandit who shot up front, what did he look like? He looks like American, too. Maybe five or six years older than the other two, that's what. Okay. Do you recognize this gun we found beside Doc's body? Yeah, it's his own. Smith and Wilson passed his house. And what about thirty-eight? We found in front of the bar. I never saw that one before. It must belong to one of them pickup guys. Anything else you can tell us that might help? Well, the guy that shot my bar told the Mexican-looking fella a Johnny once or twice. Johnny, huh? Well, it might help in a hope. I'll take a good look, Murphy. Most of your customers seem to be back here now. Is anybody missing who was here when the holder took place? No, I don't think so. They seem to be out of us here, no? Are you sure? Well, it's tough, I, I can't. What about that old DJ who was here with a blonde here? They ain't come back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, they didn't come back. Everybody else. An old man and a blonde, you say? Yeah. Are they people you know? No, as far as I know, there's never been here before. Who's that woman talking to Sergeant Morphus? Oh, Michaelia. She's a regular around here, a darn nice young woman. Yeah, she's been talking to him long enough. Let's go over and see what she has to say. I can bet your last bucket isn't hot air, Captain. She's got two feet on the ground and brave. <laughs> she's one of the last of them out of the place. Well, all the more reason to hear the story. Come on. You ran out the back way while the worst of the shooting was going on. Is that it, Michaelia? Yes. When I got out in the alley, I got as close to the dark wall as I could, and I tried to keep out of sight. Oh, that's perfectly natural. What happened then? Well, a blonde girl and an older man had followed me out of the cafe, and they were huddled against the wall with me. Oh. Then a few moments later, the bandit came racing out, and they made for a green Pontiac sedan that was parked several yards up the alley. As I leaned forward to see if I could catch the license number. You get back, Johnny. I'm driving. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to keep up and make all my own. And I'm sure that if the blonde hadn't yanked me down, I could have had those numbers for you. They're most likely felt they were acting for your own good, Miss Elliot. Yeah, maybe, but I'm not so sure. Why, what makes you say that? Well, it's just an idea. But when we were lying there in the alley while those bandits were getting away, the blonde and his friend were whispering to each other. If they were frightened, they certainly didn't show us. Whispering, huh? What about? I don't know. They were talking pretty low, but once or twice, I heard the blonde girl giggle as if she saw something funny in what was going on. Maybe she was hysterical. He wasn't hysterical when she pulled me to the ground. I see. Well, you've given us a swell clue in noticing the make and color of their car, and we have a pretty good description of them. Oh, oh, one thing more, Sergeant. Yes? That girl and her friend kept watching the door before those bandits entered the cafe, as if they were expecting them. They were sitting where they could give a signal in case there were any police officers in here or the holdup might look too dangerous. Well, Miss Elliot, I'd like to ask you a question. While that couple were listening together out in the alley, did you happen to catch any names? Names? Mm, 
Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I'm sure I heard the older man call the girl Mary. Uh-huh. But you didn't hear any other name mentioned. No, I, I'm quite certain I didn't. Captain Simpson, I have an idea, yeah? Uh, there's an unpaved alley out there, and the getaway car is bound to have left Parasite. Yes, you're probably right. I'll have Miss Elliot here show me where the car was parked, and if I find anything of the sort, I'd suggest we leave a deputy to guard the tracks until we get light enough to photograph. Sure. Meanwhile, I'll make a check up the stolen cars and see if we can make anything spit. Okay, now, Miss Elliot, if you show me. Shortly after daylight. Sergeant Morford returns to the alley behind the beehive cafe with his camera. A deputy is seated on the overturned box protecting the tire trap that had been found during the night. Morning, Sergeant. I'm sure glad to see you. <laughs> What's the matter? You sitting sleepy? Oh, a little cut eyes now. Don't give me any harm. What are you thinking about? It could have been raining. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at these tracks in the daylight. Okay. I'll get this box out of there. Hey, uh, oh, swell. Nice clear print. Yeah. You take the measurements, and then I'll get this camera set. Okay. Hey, say, how are those fellows that got plugged last night? We got homicide now against this bunch as well as robbery. Phelps, the owner of the place, died this morning. Yeah? That's too bad. Uh, how about the other guy? Doc says he'll pull through all right. Okay. Uh, what about the money? Do you know how much those tickets got away with? Not very much. I think the bartender said it was $48. Gee, imagine killing a man. $48. Bucks. The last laugh was on the bandit. There were $2,000 in an empty soda carton, not more than three feet away from the cash register. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the camera is set up. We'll see what kind of a picture we can get. Okay. And a photograph of Parasite, sir. Yeah. What's your interest in it, buddy? Nothing much. I wasn't entirely planned up the street here, and I just noticed that those tracks belonged to I-6 Flyers Yale's Deluxe. Oh, do, huh? Yeah, one of the best cars we turn off. Got any idea what kind of a car might use them? Most likely one of the better ones. Yale's Deluxe are expensive. Well, you suppose a person might buy them for a party act? Sure. Just the other night, I saw Pontiac equipped with Yale's Deluxe over on Belden Avenue. You did, huh? Yeah, it was a honey little green sedan. Just the kind of a car I'd like to own if I could afford it. You don't remember where on Belden Avenue you saw this car, do you? No, well, I'm not sure, but I think it was either the 6 or 700 block. I see. Well, I've got to get going before I'm late. Thanks a lot, buddy. That's okay. I was a lot of telling me. As soon as I get these photographs, we're going over on Belden Avenue and see just what we can see. You should see. You're going to sleep half the time. Oh, Hold on a minute. Hey, there's a place of which time is deserved. I just got a hunch. Uh, the garage doors are open. Let's pause and give the place a once over. Uh, uh, don't see what I mean. Come on. We'll look in the garage first. That's our best bet. I hope your hunch works, because we won't have to go cruising up and down the street anymore. Well, I'm just as sick of it as you are, but there's no pretending to overlook him anything. Oh. Uh, there's a grudge. What happens now? First, I'm going to have a look at these tire tracks on the floor. This place is so full of sun. You got everything in here? Hey, take a look at these tracks, will you? Do they look familiar? My God, they look like the same one. That party has been in here, all right. You better have. You want me to go back to the car and get the camera? Yeah, and while you're at it, uh, Hey, wait a minute, huh? Aren't those license plates sticking out from under that pile of magazines? Let's see what I call it. I'll take them out. California plate 3N8026. Hmm. 
Of I'm willing to bet a month's pay against a rubber two sticks those plates were issued to that green party act. What do you mean to leave in that law? I can answer your question, lady, but I hope you'll be pretty busy answering mine with the sheriff's office. Oh, oh yes. Well, suppose we go into the house. We can talk better there. And so, as I say, I only met these people recently at a party. Naturally, I hadn't the faintest idea they were criminals. Let's see if I have these names straight on this list. Harry Groves, Leo Waller, Johnny Robles. Yes. Uh, Johnny Robles is the one you said was a Mexican, isn't he? Yes. And the blonde is Mary Groves, Harry's wife. Is that right? That's right. And the old fellow's name is George Brown? Yes, he spells it B R O U N. Oh, B R O W N. I'm glad you told me. The right spelling will make it easier to look him up to have a police record. Suppose it does. And uh, all five of them were here last night, huh? Yes. And Mary and George Brown left a little before the others. Then that's why Harry Groves and Johnny Robles were out fixing something that was wrong with the car. Yeah, while they were out switching license plates, more like it. Uh, outside of the Groves' address, which you gave me here, you don't know where any of the others live. No, and I wouldn't have known nothing only Mary gave it to the other day. Well, I won't take any more of your time, Mrs. Lee. You've been very helpful, and I appreciate it. <laughs> that's perfectly all right. I have no doubt your information will go a long way toward putting these people in jail where they belong. I sincerely hope so. Oh, uh, we'll do all that if we use the telephone for a leave, Mrs. Lee. Oh, right ahead. It's right there in the hall. Thank you. Uh, telephone sheriff's office, make a report of this. Captain Benbury speaking. Hey, Captain, this is Sergeant Morford. Yeah, Morford. Have you got anything on that Pontiac yet? Yeah, the report is stolen a few nights ago. Why? You have license plate 3N8026? What's that? How did you know? Because I got those plates in my hand right now. What's more, I've positively identified the Pontiac as the bandit's car. Wait, I haven't finished yet. On top of that, I've got the names of the three gunmen besides those of the blonde and the old geezer that tangled with Miss Elliot in the alley behind the cafe. Nice going, Martha. Hey, Captain, I think you better take a couple of the boys and meet me at an apartment house with the hangout of one of the bandits and his wife. Wait a minute, I'll give you the address. The search for the apartment reveals nothing of importance. And it's decided to abandon further search for the moment while the record is checked for criminal records against the bandit suspects. You know, climax is one thing that almost always gives us fellas a break. Couldn't hear every time a job like this beehive cafe business is pulled, the suspect of a record as long as you're on. Yes, there's no question about that, sir. Take this guy, George Brown, for instance. His record dates back 25 years. Yeah. Well, oh. he's been in and out of prison more times than you can take a stick at. Well, girls, there's no stop either. Been playing hide and seek with a judge since he was 12 years old. Waller's record is nearly as bad. Oh, well, they never learn. Anyway, Joe's landlady has identified his and his wife's pictures, and Mrs. Lee has identified all five of them from their mug pictures. I don't think it'll be long now. That's bartender Dan Murphy's coming out to put the finger on him, too, isn't it? It'll be here any minute. Have you got anything against Johnny Robles? Drunk driving is all. He wish it was only drunk driving when we picked him up this time. Come in. Oh, hello, Murphy. How are you? I'm still trying to see if you can escape now. Well, don't doubt it. Yeah, have a chair. Yeah. Murphy, I want you to take a look at these photographs and see if you recognize one of the people. I'm sure this is the man who beat her ass over the head of his gun and then shot him. He's a fellow that's our gun. Yeah, what about the others? Huh? Oh. oh. This is the one who stood over by the, the record machine and killed Mr. Phelps. This fellow is the one who knocked out Rayburn down with the key knife machine. What about the last two? Yeah, I recognize them too. It's the blonde girl and the old man who was sitting at the table together last night, you know. Thanks, Murphy. That's all we wanted to know. Is it all right to go now, Sergeant? Sure. Thanks. Come on. Goodbye. As far as I'm concerned, that settles it. We've got the right mob, Carmack. Satisfied that he's on the right track, 
Sergeant Morford checks for the Motor Vehicle Bureau and learns that George Brown has a finished sedan registered in his own name. Obtaining the license number, Morford telephones all the agricultural stations along the California state line and tells them to be on the lookout for the premise bearing these plates and also for the green Pontiac sedan. Then, late the following Sunday afternoon, the telephone rings in Captain Penpace's office. Captain Penpace speaking. Hey, Skipper, this is Walford. Yeah? Look, I just got a call from the agricultural station of Six Arizona. Well, the Clemens came through there, and a green party egg takes root at the same time. Well, they're able to give you the license, remember the Pontiac? Yeah. 45 M123. I've already talked to the motor vehicle, and they told me those plates were stolen from the Wilson Automobile Dealer. Early yesterday morning. Okay. Let us check to the Arizona, Sergeant Morton. Right. Got any new leads on that beehive case, Captain? Oh, hello, Thomas. Yeah, Morton just called I crossed into Arizona this afternoon. Arizona, huh? Uh-huh. Well, here's something that might give us a lead, then. Yeah, what's that? I'm talking through the records of the suspects in this case. I found that Leo Weller was only released from Joliet a short time ago. Yeah? Well, while he was in there, he used to get letters from his friends in Phoenix, Arizona. Sure, right, right. And I think we've got him. The most likely figure on hiding out there until the heat gets off. That's the way I look at it, too. Tell me what you do. You and Morford get on down there and see if you can locate them. We may be able to nab the whole crew at the same time. Okay. In the meantime, I have an idea that I think might bring results. Uh, leave the door open when you go out so I can get Williams in order. Yeah. I'll see you when I get back, Captain. Good luck, Thomas. Oh, Williams. Yes, sir? Come in here a minute, will you? Yes, sir. Williams, I want you to see that every newspaper with any kind of a circulation in Southern California gets the names and pictures of the suspects in the Beehive case. And the sooner the better. In Phoenix, Morford and Carmack have little difficulty in locating the place where Walter's friends live. But once again, the suspects have disappeared. The search of the house, however, brings them the information they want. Hello, Captain Tenfrey. This is Morford. We got something hot. All right, The gang's split up. Groves, Waller, and Robles are heading east to Kansas City in the Pontiac. Mary Groves and George Brown are doubling back to California. How do you find out? Well, Carmack and I got into the place where the gang hid out after they got here. We found a note Groves wrote to his wife after he and the other two pulled out. Groves told her to send his things to 503 Locust Street, Kansas City, after she and Brown got back to Los Angeles. Uh, I'm telephoning the Kansas City police to keep their eyes on that Locust Street place. How are you doing, Wilbur? I think you boys might as well drive back here. Only I suggest you come by way of San Diego. San Diego? Well, Skipper, that's 200 miles or more out of our way. Yeah. I thought you boys might like to take in a little of the Imperial Valley Dinner. If you don't, well... Well, if you got a tip on them in San Diego, wouldn't it be better to send a couple of the boys down there out of Los Angeles? Brown and the Groves will move on before we can get there. I think they'll wait for you. See, they surrendered to the San Diego police after they saw their names and pictures in the papers. How'd the papers get a hold of their names and pictures? I don't know. I thought it was stirred up something, and it did. Only surrender was more than I bargained for. Yeah. Wonder why they did it. Well, frankly, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that's the only reason I can see. And another thing, Morford, don't expect to find a blonde. He's a brunette now. But he's still in good. He's very close. Okay, Skipper, we'll pick him up on our way home. All right, Morford. You boys, let me get here. Two days later, George Brown and Mary Rose are back in Los Angeles. Seated in one of the rooms of the district attorney's office. Brown, throughout the ship's willing, denied all getting knowledge of the beehive job. But comes Mary's turn. 
Captain Kenclay, and Sergeant Morford putting the question. What do you know about this whole up and shooting, Mary? Not a thing, Captain Kenclay, honestly. Now, look, Mary, there's no sense in lying about this thing. I'm not lying. I'm not, I tell you. You were sitting in the cafe when your husband came in to hold it up, weren't you? Yes, but I didn't know he was going to hold it up. I swear I didn't. Isn't it true that you've driven a car for Harry Groves when he's made other hold up? No. Well, you knew he was a pick-up man, didn't you? I knew Harry'd been in trouble a lot during his life, but I... Yes, but what, Mary? Well, I suppose I did know that he was doing some things that weren't quite right. And you say you didn't know he was going to hold up the beehive that night, is that it? Yes. Did George Brown know it? I don't know. I don't think so. But you're sure you didn't know about it? Yes. Well, then how? How did you kind of be sitting in a cafe while your husband was picking it up? Well, Harry and I had been separated for several months. I didn't recognize him. I was too frightened, I guess, so. So I ran over the place with George Brown. And you say you and your husband were separated? Yes. Well, if you and your husband were separated, it's a funny thing your landlady didn't know anything about it. Well, you haven't got an answer for that one, have you, Mary? And you say you didn't recognize your husband on the night of the shooting because you were so frightened. Yes. You were sitting facing the door, weren't you? I think so, yes. Well, then how is it you didn't recognize him during the four or five minutes you took him to drink a glass of beer and select a number on the record machine, which was near your table, and get the thing to play in? You weren't scared then, were you? You haven't got an answer for that one either, have you? Come on, Mary. Why don't you tell us the truth? I am telling you the truth. I haven't got anything to be afraid of. If you haven't anything to be afraid of, then why did you dye your hair? You haven't got an answer for any of them, have you, Mary? Well, Mary, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid we'll have to hold you and George Brown without bail on charges of murder and attempted murder. No. No, I don't know Three days later, a green Pontiac sedan containing three men approaches the outskirts of Kansas City. What are you going down for, Leo? Where well, I leave you guys. What do you mean, leave us? Yeah, what are you talking about, Leo? I've traveled as far as I'm going in this hot car. Well, what's the matter with you? You getting soft? No, I ain't getting soft. But I ain't too fond of the idea of getting slapped back in the can either, see? No, we got this far without no trouble, can we? Yeah, but I'm thinking there's more luck than anything else. Ah, oh, you're nuts. All right, I'm nuts. You and Johnny can go on if you want to, but as far as I'm concerned, this is the end of the line. Don't worry, we will. You don't suppose that was a bum tip we got from the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office, do you, Randy? We've been staked out in this local street place for a pretty near week now. Maybe the guys they told us about are doing a little sightseeing along the way. Well, a job like this can get pretty sightseeing. I'm beginning to see a lot. Huh? Hey, that's a green party accident, all right. And they're pulling up in front of the house. Yeah. But there's only two of them, isn't it? It's worth three. Never mind that. You see the license number. There's a micro license number of California, right? Yeah, number six. It's one of those. They're coming down the wall, huh? And they've been ready to slow down on them in the middle of the road. Oh, not likely to get killed and men wanted for murder. Oh, I've a chance. All right, put up your hands, boys. This is it. What's the yeah. rap, copper? I'm thinking you know as well as I do. Better, maybe. Take them down for a silly fella. Yeah. Put the cuffs on them. How'd you mugs know we was coming? Little birdie told us. Oh, wise guy, eh? You know, they're going to be mighty glad to see you back there in California, you two. Almost as glad to say to Missouri will be to get rid of you. Yeah. Well, tough will keep out of mischief for a while. Okay. Now, where do we go from here, Flatfoot? Right now, we'll go down to the station. After that, I wouldn't be thinking too much about where I was going if I were you. Now, come along, both of you, before I lose my temper. Oh. Just a 
moment, we shall hear the conclusion of our story. In the meantime, I ask that you remember two things, very important things, to the motorist who wants most for his money. For the complete protection of your motor, use real lube. The lubricant that can't be congealed by freezing weather any more than it can be broken down by excessive engine heat. And for maximum money-saving power, pickup, and smooth acceleration, Rio Grande Crust. The gasoline of outstanding for each car performance. Grove, Robles, and Brown were sentenced to life imprisonment in San Quentin. Waller was later captured in Illinois and will be extradited for trial. Once again, the lawbreaker is learning that crime does not pay. Thank you.